Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number two in Joel chapter one. And we're going to be reading from Joel 1, beginning in verse 6. For a nation is come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, and barked my fig tree. He has made it clean bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament. Like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of Jehovah. The priests, Jehovah's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen. How, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. I'll stop reading there. Um, we we began a, a study in the book of Joel last time, and uh, we're going to continue uh, in chapter 1, going through these verses. And again, just like to uh, remind us that Joel chapter 1 is a chapter that's focused on the judgment of God upon the churches and congregations of the world. It, in other words, it's a, a chapter that is describing the great tribulation period. And, and the great tribulation, we know, uh, worked out to be a 23-year period from May 21, 1988 through May 21, 2011, in which God brought judgment upon the house of God. And very consistently throughout Joel chapter 1, verse after verse is uh, giving us information concerning that judgment. And also, overall, in the book of Joel, it is a book that speaks of the final judgment of God that comes at the end of the world. And, and chapter 1 lays out the great tribulation. Chapter 2 has much to say about um, the judgment on the world. And chapter 3 also uh, gives information concerning God's uh, day of judgment on this world. But, but throughout, there is the language of harvest. And uh, we, we saw with the last verse we read here and some of the earlier verses in Joel 1, uh, in verse 11 of Joel chapter 1, Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. This is speaking of the harvest within the corporate church, within the church, um, that that if it had continued faithful, would have produced a harvest. God would have used them, but they were not faithful, so God uh, judged them and it ruined their harvest. Um, Joel also tells us of God's times and seasons concerning the rains. In Joel chapter 2, we, we read of the early righteous rain, the early rain, and then the latter rain. And, and so the theme of the book is God's final judgment, but it's also presented through uh, language concerning harvest in in each of the chapters. In Joel 1, Joel chapter 2, and Joel chapter 3, we'll find language related to harvest. All right, let's um, turn our attention to verse 6 of Joel 1. And we began to look at this in our last study. For a nation is come up upon my land, strong and without number. And we saw how God had long prophesied, long declared that 
if Israel uh, continued to be rebellious, that he, the Lord would bring a nation upon them, a nation whose tongue they did not understand, a nation um, of fierce countenance, with a king of fierce countenance. And, and this historically uh, pictured the Babylonians ruled by the king of Babylon. And yet spiritually it points to the judgment on the churches and congregations when Satan would be loosed after he was bound for the figurative thousand year period and and then loosed after an actual 1955 years to come against the churches and congregations and the the Bible also speaks of that as though Satan is Gog and he raises up an army called Magog. And um, Revelation 20 tells us that Gog and Magog comes against the camp of the saints. And that's uh, Gog and Magog uh, is a, a tremendous army. And, and that's why God says here that a nation will come upon my land strong and without number. And of course, those within Satan's camp, um, when he did come against the church, were... Uh, just of vast numbers because the vast majority of people are unsaved. And the church world had grown to number about 2 billion people. And, and the overwhelming majority of them were tares that had been sown within the church. And, and so they belonged to Satan. And when the time was right, when uh, the Holy Spirit came out of the midst and Satan's spirit entered in. Oh, he had a huge host, a huge army in, in which to, uh, bring about the destruction of the, uh, churches and congregations. Uh, all of the unsaved were there to do his, his will. It goes on to say in Joel 1 6, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. And we know that the Bible speaks of Satan as a, a roaring lion. He goes about seeking whom he may devour as a roaring lion. And, and uh, the Bible also speaks of the wicked as lions. In several places, we'll just look at a couple... Psalm 10, Psalm 10, verse 4, says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. And then, uh, continuing in the following verses to talk about the wicked, it says in verse 9, He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den, he lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself, and the poor may fall by his strong ones. And uh, also in Psalm 17, beginning in verse 9, it says, From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat with their mouth, they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Jehovah, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Jehovah, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, in whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, and, and so forth. So here God is speaking of the wicked, and he says they are like a young lion, uh, a greedy of prey, and a young lion lurking in secret places. And he says, deliver my soul from the wicked, from men. And, and that's very clear 
that God is speaking of the unsaved men, the unsaved people uh, uh, of the earth that enter into the congregations. In this case, when when Satan assaults the uh, corporate body at the time of the end, and and God says that they are like lions whose teeth are the teeth of a lion and he is the cheek teeth of a great lion. Why the emphasis upon teeth? Because it is the lion's teeth that devour. It, it is the lion's teeth that uh, rip apart its prey. And now the church has become the prey of Satan and his forces. And they are going to wreak havoc upon the churches of the world spiritually. Okay, let, let's go on to verse 7 of Joel 1. He has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He has made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Well, the word barked, it, it doesn't mean barked. It, it's a word that means anger or indignation or wrath. And I say that because it's Strong's number 7111 and only used here, but it's related to the words that mean anger, indignation, and wrath. And so the translators, when seeing this word, and they saw that, that it had to do with a tree, uh, made, and the next statement says he has made it clean bare, and, and the branches thereof are made white, well, the, the trees have bark on them. And I'm sure that you have at one time, like, like everyone else, taken a piece of a branch, peeled back the bark, and you see the white underlayer of the tree. And so that seems to be the picture that God has given, making it clean, bare. And, and when you do peel off the bark, it's nice and smooth and 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 uh, bear it, it's exposed well let's take a closer look at some of the words that are used here and then maybe we'll get a better understanding of what uh, is being said he has laid my vine waste now uh, this is referring back to the nation to the lion to satan's uh, assault against the churches and God is the one who is speaking, saying, My vine, it, it, it is God's vine. Even the corporate church was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, God knew that tares would come in and um, grow with the wheat, but God established that entity, that corporate body, and... And so when Satan comes against it, and even though finally he's only able to destroy the flesh, the unsaved within the congregations, and he's never able to destroy God's true people, the elect, that's impossible, yet uh, it's still against God's church, the Lord Jesus who established that church. The things that Satan did to the church, he did to the person of God. And God makes that point in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 50 and 51. And that's why there's vengeance that is brought upon Satan and uh, typified by the king of Babylon and, and the kingdom of Satan typified by Babylon itself at the time of the end, in the day of judgment, because they dared stretch forth their hand against God's anointed. Here's a, an example that I think will help us to understand the special relationship between the church and God. God anointed King Saul to rule over Israel. And Saul was never saved and was an evil king who was often seeking to destroy David, who was a man after God's own heart. And yet, when someone finally killed Saul and brought the news to David, 
Well, David was not pleased at all, but grieved. And a, a man who claimed to have uh, been instrumental in Saul's death was put to death himself for daring to stretch forth his hand against God's anointed. It was the office, it was the position of king that God had established. And even though a man who was not truly godly was holding that office, yet it was viewed as an uh, an attack against God because uh, God is the one who put Saul in that place. Likewise, the Lord established the churches and congregations. And even though they became uh, filled with with people that themselves were not saved, yet those people carried the name Christ or Christian and professed to be Christian. The churches professed to be Christian churches, uh, to be of God and and therefore to be anointed by God in a sense. The Holy Spirit established these churches and congregations. And yes, it was God's plan to loose Satan, to use him as a destroying weapon, because the Lord knew what he would do once he was loosed. The Lord knew the type of destruction that he would bring, and that was according to the judgment of God upon his own people. But Satan was never right, and and the emissaries of Satan, his ministers, were never correct in bringing that destruction against the church, in perverting the gospel, in driving people out. They were never right in that, and so they also are accountable and must give account for those uh, horrible sins that they committed against the people of God. Well, here we were reading language where God is indicating it was his vine. He has laid my vine waste. Now, uh, in Psalm 80, we read of a vine. Let's turn over to Psalm 80. And it says, beginning in verse 8, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the bows thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her bows unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges? so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her. The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, and behold, and visit this vine, and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself. It is burned with fire, It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Here, God historically is making reference to Israel when he says, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen, or the nations, and planted it. And we know that Israel came out of Egypt and went into the land of Canaan, and God cast out the nations of that land, and he planted Israel there. And and then we read of God's uh, plan to break down her hedges. Hedges are a form of protection. When you have a, a vineyard or a vine, and you build hedges about it, or plant hedges to, to protect it, and 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 it offers protection to the vineyard, but when you break them down, well, then it loses that protection. And then it uh, goes on to describe the boar out of the wood wasting it and the wild beast of the field devouring it because the vine has lost its protection. 
and in verse 15, And the vineyard which thy right hand has planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself, it is burned with fire, it is cut down. And here it's a dual picture. First of all, there was Israel, historically, that God planted and established, and they became his outward representatives of the kingdom of God to the inhabitants of the earth. And God judged Israel, the ten tribes in the north by the Assyrians, and then the uh, Judah in the south by the Babylonians. And he did this because they were unfaithful to him. But on the second level, spiritual level, Israel of old typified the New Testament churches and congregations, and God established them in their time uh, to be his representatives of the kingdom of God to the inhabitants of the world during the New Testament era, the New Testament church age. And God also built in protections for the church that he later removed. And of course, the greatest protection that was the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the congregations, that was the ultimate protection against the enemy, against the attacks of Satan, as Satan did come against the church over the many centuries of the church age. And, and he, he would overcome, uh, according to God's permissive will, uh, certain congregations or, or even a whole denomination, but never the church entire because God was there protecting it and and he had a hedge built about it. But once the church age ended and the Holy Spirit left the congregations, all that protection was gone. Now the the beast could freely uh, enter in and 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 Satan of course is the king or that lion that came and began to rule within the churches of the world, the corporate body. Therefore, the vineyard which thy right hand, and the right hand is a reference to Christ, hath planted, is now burned with fire and cut down. And we know that God does speak of uh, both Israel of old and the New Testament church as a vineyard. And he does it in an interesting way. In the New Testament, the Lord describes a vineyard in a parable in Matthew 21. Let, let me just read a couple of verses from there. In Matthew 21, in verse 33, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, and digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Now here in this parable, in the New Testament, the Lord is speaking to Israel, to the uh, Jews of his day, and with this vineyard, it's revealed that those husbandmen will kill the son, and what will happen as a result? Well, they will be uh, miserably destroyed 
but the vineyard itself will be given to other husbandmen who will render fruits in their seasons. And we can see how this points to Israel as the vineyard, and then Christ the Son came into the world and into the nation of Israel. And what did Israel do? They turned him over to the Roman authorities to be killed. And it fulfills this parable that the son comes and is killed. And then the vineyard is, after those wicked men are miserably destroyed, the vineyard is turned over to other husbandmen. And here we see a biblical proof that God is indicating that Israel was the vineyard, but then he destroyed them after they killed his son, the Lord Jesus, after Christ went to the cross. And then the vineyard was not destroyed, but continued on, but under the care of other husbandmen, which can only be a reference to the formation of the New Testament churches and congregations. In in other words, just as God spoke of Israel as a vineyard, he is speaking of the church, the New Testament church, likewise as a vineyard. Here in this parable, we were told that the vineyard that was Israel will be destroyed. But does the New Testament tell us of the vineyard that the church has become? Do we read of that? Well, actually, it's interesting how it's in the Old Testament that God uh, gives specifics concerning his plan for the New Testament churches and congregations as they are typified as a vineyard. It's in Isaiah chapter 5. And I'm going to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 1, Isaiah 5, 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. Let me just uh, stop a second and mention that the reference to wild grapes in verse 2, it brought forth wild grapes, uh, this is Strong's number 891, and it's from 889, which is a Hebrew word that means stink. It brought forth uh, rotten grapes. The grapes are of no value. They're no good. And, and God then goes on to say, uh, Judge, I pray you betwixt me and my vineyard because this is the type of fruit they brought forth. And then in verse 4, What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. And again, um, just as in Psalm 80, the hedge was broken down, and and that's the protection for the vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds, that they rain no rain upon it. This is... A really terrible language once we understand spiritually that when God is speaking of harvest and fruit, it has to do with salvation. It has to do with the precious fruit of the earth or the elect. But when he lays a vineyard waste, 
And, and this is the problem, the insurmountable problem that people have today. They're, they're so confused and they don't even know it when they're thinking, yes, God's judging the church. They, they recognize that, that God is judging the church. And yet they go on to think, but there could be some people that are saved within the congregations or, or people can still be blessed within the congregations. And yet this is the language of the Bible. I will lay it waste. There shall come up briars and thorns. Briars and thorns are, are, are a result of the curse. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And that's what God did when he ended the church age. He ended the early rain that brought forth the first fruits as the first fruits identify with the churches and congregations. And, and yet at the end of the church age, the early rain ceased. It stopped falling. God commanded the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And then in verse 7, For the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry. Now, we can know that Isaiah 5's description, even though it's speaking of the house of Israel or the men of Judah, is referencing or or spiritually pointing to and and has application for the New Testament church because this vineyard in Isaiah 5 is completely destroyed and there is no language here of turning it over to other husbandmen. Uh, As we read in Matthew 21 in that parable, what will the Lord of the vineyard do? He will miserably destroy those men. Well, that would fit with Isaiah 5, yes. God is speaking of miserably destroying this vineyard. But then it says, and he will turn over the the vineyard to other husbandmen that will render him fruit in their seasons. And that is not the case with this vineyard in Isaiah 5. It's just destroyed. There's no mention of turning it over to anyone else. And it is the end of the vineyard. Well, that can only fit with the judgment on the church. We we know from the Bible there's two vineyards. Uh, the vineyard that was Israel and the vineyard that was the church. The vineyard that was Israel actually produced the fruit that they were designed to produce, the Messiah, and also in uh, slaying the Son, unbeknownst to them, they were fulfilling the determinate counsel and will of God, and and then their vineyard was turned over to the churches and congregations, and the church brought forth the first fruits, but then at the end of the church age, God came to visit and he judged that vineyard and destroyed the church, destroyed his own vineyard by loosing Satan, bringing Satan against it to devour and destroy and lay waste and, and so forth. And we don't read anywhere that the vineyard is then turned over to anyone else. Although it, it's true, God did have another plan to uh, save a great multitude or or to bring in the final fruits by bringing the latter rain outside of the churches and congregations. Yet God doesn't use the language of establishing a vineyard and, and offering protection for it as he did with Israel and as he did with the church. Uh, it, it's spoken of in a completely different way, even though some of the language of harvest and, and rain and so forth is still used. Well, let's go back to Joel. Joel 1, verse 7, He has laid my vine waste. And here this word waste is found in verses such as Jeremiah chapter 2 
and verse 15 says, The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. And again, lions are in view, just as they were uh, in, in the previous verse here in Joel 1, verse 6. And they lay the land waste and without inhabitant. We have seen before that that language without inhabitant points to the absence of the the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus, has abandoned the church. The Holy Spirit has come out of the midst, which causes this this desolate situation, which permitted the devil to lay the land waste spiritually. It's also um, found in Jeremiah chapter four. The, the same Hebrew word, 8047, translated as waste, is translated as desolate. In Jeremiah 4, beginning in verse 6, Set up the standard towards Zion, retire, stay not, for I will bring evil from the north and a great destruction. And that's where the Babylonians came from, from the north. The lion is come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He is gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate or waste, and the city shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. Well, this is um, fairly common language as we read Jeremiah or Ezekiel or places where God is speaking of bringing judgment on the church and, and using the historical illustration of the judgment upon Judah. Alright, going back to Joel 1, he's laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. Um, we talked a little bit about barked, how that's a word that identifies with anger and wrath. And the fig tree represents Israel. I think uh, many of us are familiar with that. For instance, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, we read, as, as God is speaking of the time of the end, it says in verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. We have learned long ago that the fig tree is a reference to Israel. And when you you see Israel once again uh, become a nation of the world as it did back in 1948, after over 1900 years of being scattered and dispersed amongst the, the Jews, were dispersed amongst all the nations to come together again and and form the nation of Israel. Well, God was giving a big indicator that the time of the end was near. And he speaks of Israel as figs. Uh, for instance, in Jeremiah chapter 24. Jeremiah 24, where he speaks of Israel as the fig tree. The Israelites would, would be likened to the figs. Jeremiah 24, verse 1. Jehovah showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of Jehovah, after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said Jehovah unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again, the word of Jehovah came unto me, saying, Thus saith Jehovah, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I acknowledge them, that are carried away captive of Judah, 
whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. And then in verse 8, And as the evil figs which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely thus saith Jehovah, So will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. Well, uh, the Lord is saying that figs, these baskets of figs, the good figs represent uh, really his his true people, the elect, and the evil figs, those that are non-elect. But but both are Israelites, and those that would go into captivity are picturing good Israelites, and those that do not go into captivity, bad Israelites. Well, we we can definitely see from this that Israelites were likened to figs, and where do figs come from? From a fig tree, the fig tree of national Israel. But also, we have to say that figs can be understood to represent the church or the churches and congregations because God teaches, and he's teaching through this illustration in Jeremiah 24, about going into captivity to Babylon and those that refuse to go into captivity. And we've learned that the historical command to the to the Jews of Judah to go into captivity was picturing the command that the Lord would bring forth once he unsealed his word at the time of the end to those within the congregations to come out of the church and go into the world as Babylon pictures the world. And those that refuse to leave their church and refuse to um, go into the world to serve God there, but insist on staying, they are the evil figs. And, and that means there's a dual designation or dual spiritual meaning for figs. One, it can refer to Israel. And two, it can refer to the, the church itself the New Testament churches and congregations. So as God is um, speaking of barking the fig tree in Joel chapter 1, and let me go back there, he has laid my vine waste, and remember we saw how the vine or vineyard had a dual application. There was the vineyard of Israel and the vineyard of the New Testament church, and barked my fig tree. Now, it just follows that that since Joel is a book that, yes, uh, is referencing God's judgment on Israel or Judah of old, but spiritually is pointing to the judgment upon the church at the end of the world, that it would also mean that the fig tree is speaking of Israel of old in the first instance, and then the New Testament churches and congregations in the second instance. You know, we refer to the verse that I refer to concerning the fig tree being in leaf in Matthew 24. Let me read that again in Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. But we we don't um, often consider what God has said in Luke 21. In Luke 21, we read in verse 29, And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. So here God is not just uh, pointing our attention to the fig tree, but he says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So the reference is not to the fig tree alone, but all the trees. 
Now let's go back to Joel 1, and we'll uh, look at this more in future studies, Lord willing. It says in the end of verse 11, said the harvest of the field is perished. Verse 12, the vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. And we see how that matches what we just read in Luke 21. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. They're, they're withered. It is the church under the judgment of God. It is the church typified by the fig tree, but also the apple tree and the pomegranate tree, the palm tree and all the trees. They're all withered. And joy is withered away from the sons of men because there, there's no joy taking place in heaven, especially when judgment begins at the house of God. Nowhere virtually in the world is anyone being saved. Then, uh, of course, God mercifully, graciously, after 2300 evening mornings, begins to send forth the latter rain outside of the church, and there's joy then outside of the congregations, but within, it, it's the same throughout the whole 23 years. The, the trees are, are perished, or withered away. There, there is no fruit, no salvation taking place within the church. And so uh, we can see that not only the vineyard represented Israel and the church, but the fig tree and all the trees represented Israel firstly, and then the church uh, in a spiritual picture. And and so when God is saying, when you, um, when you see the fig tree in leaf, and there's no fruit, as he, he does in these passages, uh, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and when, when you see that, you know that summer or harvest time is now nigh at hand. And, and so Israel becoming a nation, was a signpost and an indicator from the Bible. The time's almost here, but the end of the church age, the judgment of God on the church, where the Lord revealed through his word that there was no fruit within the congregations, that that their fruit had become a stench in his nostrils. There was... Nothing but stink where there should have been grapes. And when, when that is known, when, when you see the fig tree in leaf because there's no fruit on the tree, then you know it is near. The harvest is near. And, and that's also the time we began to learn about the separation of the wheat and the tares. And, and that all involves harvest. As God um, began to get that process underway during the Great Tribulation and then completed it at the beginning of Judgment Day on May 21, 2011, was the final separation of the wheat and the tares within the congregations. Okay, um, going back to Joel 1, 7, it goes on to say, He has made it clean bare and casted away the branches thereof are made white. This um, descriptive language reveals that God has removed the protective covering from the fig tree and he's exposed it. And really, it's language indicating that the sins of the church are open. They're they're, uh, made um readily seen to the eyes of God and now to all. In Jeremiah chapter 49, it says in verse 10, But I have made Esau bare, I have uncovered his secret places, and he shall not be able to hide himself. His seed is spoiled, and his brethren and his neighbors, and he is not. And in um, Isaiah 47, 
we read concerning Babylon, it says in verses 2 and 3, Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and will not. I will not meet thee as a man. So this is what's in view by making the uh, the fig tree bare. Uh, again, remember or consider once the Lord came out of the midst of the churches, it was really Christ's presence that was offering the protection against the wrath of God that would have come upon the church um, for its sins as it had been sinful, which is something they often say, well, we the church has never been perfect. Yes, that's true. But the church was never perfect while Christ was dwelling in the midst, offering protection. Once he came out of the midst, the imperfect church and its sins were now exposed. They were now um, seen by God in a sense. God viewed them differently, in in uh, in other words, and now he must punish them. Now he must visit for these things and and bring destruction upon the churches and congregations. Well, we'll pick this study up the next time we get together, um, one other thing for us to consider is the Lord Jesus Christ cursing of the fig tree. As he cursed the fig tree when he came to it and found no fruit thereon. And we'll talk about that a little bit in relationship to the fig tree that pointed to Israel of old and the fig tree that represents the New Testament churches and congregations. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.